The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, welcome to it. Employment Law Show. John Scholes here along with John Pincus and uh, representing, of course, Sam Firu to mark an LLP, the most positively uh, reviewed employment law firm uh, in Canada, check it out. We have the uh, the stats are true, so there's no uh, no line there. Lots to get through today. In fact, we're going to get to temporary layoffs. What you need to know, and you have to do something about it. If dot dot dot, that is on the way in just a bit. And if you'd like to uh, send an email along anytime during the show, help at employmentlawyer.ca and simply employmentlawyer.ca the website to find links to our long running television show as well. But let's. Uh, Let's get right to it, John. Good morning, pal. What uh, what's on the uh, what's on the agenda for the week that was, pal? Oh, good morning, John. It it has been an extremely uh, busy start to 2021. Mm-hmm. Lots to talk about. I'm sure our listeners uh, have lots on their mind, and this is the time uh, to uh, to talk about it. To hopefully get some reassurances and and uh, maybe uh, uh, potentially speak off air about your pro- uh, your uh, issues as well, or issues that you, your family, your friends have been having. Uh, this is the time to speak. So please do give us a call and, and don't be shy about that. I uh, want to talk about a few situations uh, that uh, have come across my desk in the last week uh, that uh, our listeners may find familiar. Uh, so the first situation uh, involved a sales manager uh, who was let go after just f- over five years of employment. Uh, she'd actually been a very good performer for the last few years and had earned substantial bonuses uh, that accounted for about 15% of her comp. Uh, and that is paid out uh, February of every year very consistently. Uh, and this is something that, of course, you relied upon year after year. And naturally, you know, your, your lifestyle changes as a result of, of these bonuses and you and your family start relying on them. Well, recently her employment was terminated uh, and she received a severance package or was offered a severance package rather uh, of three months base salary. We had a number of problems here. Now, the first uh, problem was that her bonus for 2020, uh, for the 2020 year, ha- had not been paid. And when she asked the company about it, she said to them, hey, guys, this is a performance bonus. You know, I was given my performance review last year. I was told I qualified for the bonus then. What gives? And in response, what the company said is, well, there's a policy. It's in our intranet system that actually requires you to be employed at the time the bonus is paid out. Which is when, uh, which is when she received it, uh, but she'd never seen this policy. She'd never signed it. She didn't even knew it existed. So right there, she was owed the 2020 bonus. Not even a question. Uh, the fact that her employment was uh, was terminated before the the payout date does not change that. Uh, and of course, the severance package was a problem too. You know, first of all, five years employment, sales manager, someone in her 50s, she was owed much more than three months' pay. I says she was owed easily as much as six months' pay, uh, or potentially even more. Uh, and not only that, but she was owed her prorated bonus for 2021, because what the law says is that you should be compensated not just for the bonus that you lost, but for the fact that you've lost the ability to earn the bonus after your termination. Now, the good news is this is going to be a pretty simple matter to resolve, even though there's a few issues here. And I anticipate that before long, she's going to be looking at both her bonus uh, for last year, the one that she has earned, and a greatly improved severance package. And one thing that I want to mention to anyone who's an employee uh, who may be listening is that where a bonus is part of your compensation package, really you got to make sure that you read the fine print, right? Sometimes you'll get a, a compensation statement that will talk about you losing your bonus if you're not employed at the payout date. 
sometimes it will be in an employment agreement. In fact, that's often uh, where it will be, the, uh, and, and that may be most often where it will be. So if you want to avoid the situation where your employer lets you go and then you lose your bonus, the time to negotiate this is at the beginning of your employment, not the end. And so that's the time that you probably want to speak to an employment lawyer. And by the way, to reach out any time to John or a member of the crew, real simple, it's one 821 5900 is the way to go, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Yeah, I find it interesting that employers conveniently decide to pull the plug on employment just before a big bonus or possibly, you know, if you're in the sales side of things, as uh, we've mentioned before, just before your commissions are due to, uh, to come through, they think, oh, this is a convenient time to sack somebody and save ourselves a few shekels. But... As far as the sales thing is concerned as well, I mean, if, if generally the rule is, if I'm correct, that once you've done your part in moving that, that sale along and the commissions are, are outstanding, you're still owed the commissions if your job is done, right? That's, that's right, John. You're still owed the commissions. And, you know, it is going to turn on the exact commission plan, which is why it's really important right. that you read over those commission plans because you want to know what's the triggering event, what is it. Uh, that makes those uh, commissions earned. Uh, and if it's not, if there isn't a, a commission plan, then usually what the law will do is say, well, okay, well, how are those commissions earned in the past? And yeah, typically it's at the point of sale. The sale is made and the commission um, is earned. But, you know, a lot of employers, and this is, a, this is important for employers listening too, because some of them simply don't know better. They think, well, okay, wages and bonus and commissions, these are separate things. And no, they're, they're not separate things. Uh, they're all wages, right? They're all part of what these employees rely on to live. Uh, and often they're part of what enticed the employee to take the job in the first place. Um, so it is only fair uh, that if they're let go and if they need time to find a new job, that they're going to be made whole uh, during that period. And that includes their commissions and it includes their bonuses. And so this is uh, something that you're going to be entitled to if you're entitled to those things as part of your employment. What else you got going on, pal? Well, the second situation involved a gentleman who had been working as a contractor for about 10 years. Now, this was someone who built out his work, hired his own people, set his own schedule, used all his own equipment, and basically worked whatever hours he wanted. He didn't specifically have to report to anyone, essentially ran his own show. So he was actually properly characterized as a contractor, not an employee. This is someone who... Uh, in a sense was in business for himself, certainly uh, exerted a, a great amount of control uh, and was paid out as a contractor. Okay, so recently they end his contract and the company says, we don't need you anymore, you're done, see you later, and no severance offer. Now in one sense, you know, the intuition is, well, okay, if he's, if he's truly a contractor, then yeah, that's the way contractors work. You work a contract, you end the contract, you, you know, you go on and you do another contract. Well, in this case, there actually was a problem because Although he was a contractor, he was certainly not independent. Uh, and what happened is actually over the last 10 years, uh, he had performed over 90% of his work for one company. And what the law says is that uh, when, when there's a contractor working for you that has that level of dependence, you can't simply kick them to the curb. You may not need to pay them vacation, you may not need to pay them overtime, so they don't get all those employment standards rights, but you still have a right to get notice if you're let go or to, if you're not given notice, to be paid severance. And he was what we call a dependent contractor, uh, and he was still owed severance. In fact, I assessed his entitlements at about a year's pay. 
uh, which for this person was over a hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, so for folks who are listening and working as a contractor, you still may have rights. You still may want to go over to the severance pay calculator um, and see what you could be owed, and then have a discussion with us and figure out if you know the law. If you are actually a, a dependent contractor. Now, on the one hand, if you know if only forty percent of your business comes from one place, well, that's probably not enough. And there was actually one case that reached the courts that uh, where they they said you know it, it has to be a very substantial amount. But certainly in this case, ninety percent of his work uh, for one company that was well more than enough uh, to deem him a dependent contractor. And the other thing is, of course, you may be, in fact, an employee. Now, this person clearly was, was not, uh, but many contractors are misclassified and owed severance, among other things, like vacation back pay and holiday back pay. So uh, if you're spending all of your time working for one company, chances are you're going to be owed severance. What is the uh, threshold, 60%, 70% from one main uh, client? You know what? I, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's one of those areas of the law that I would say is still developing, and... Um, I, I typically do it on a case-by-case basis. Um, I, I usually say once two-thirds of your billings are for one, from one place, um, you're certainly starting to get into dependent contractor territory. There is at least one example of someone who was working two-thirds of their time uh, from one place, and they were still entitled to get some notice, to get some severance at the time that their contract was ended. But it's it's uh, it's going to be in a case by case basis, and you know every person's case is going to have a different uh, level of strength. In this case, ninety percent, obviously, very very high strength case. Other cases, it may be a little bit more of a gray area. Awesome website for you as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of things that we cover on the show in the in the website form. You can use that. It's absolutely free and anonymous. There's even a section on disability law as well because the two are intertwined so many times. Over the, uh, over the occasion of dealing with either disability law or employment law, they, uh, there's always crossover, so you want to check it out. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But here and now, 416-870-6400. That is the way you call through and ask uh, your questions. Temporary layoffs, what you need to know. So we'll get into this, and we'll just, uh, we'll just dive right in, man. What is a temporary layoff, and now how is it different than a regular termination of employment? This is a massive topic over the last 43 weeks, of course, with the pandemic, right? Well, John, you're absolutely right. This this has been a a very very uh, pervasive uh, uh, topic of discussion uh, since this pandemic began. Because of course there is a huge swath of people that are on temporary layoffs, right? And some of those people um, are in uh, the restaurant uh, business or the retail business where they've been forced to close. Uh, in other cases, it has been people uh, who have been employed for technology companies uh, or, um, or other companies that, that may be continuing to operate, in fact, maybe even doing better, but have just decided this is a, a convenient time, um, as is uh, you know, in vogue, uh, to just oh, yeah. place people on temporary layoffs and save some money. Um, and you know, often we hear, well, you know, the temporary layoff is 13 weeks or 35 weeks or under the Employment Standards Act, or right now it's been suspended until July. In fact, uh, uh, John, you'll remember that uh, you and I talked about this the last uh, show that we did together where uh, we, you know, we were talking about this new announcement that now under the Employment Standards Act, um, everything is basically put in limbo until July. And if you go online and you look up employment standards, you're going to think, well, there's nothing that I can do. But in fact, the law has always said, and the law so far has not said anything differently, that if you have not signed something specifically agreeing to say, 
I agree to temporary layoffs as a term of my employment. If you even sign that as an employment contract, um, then you are not uh, someone who has to accept temporary layoffs necessarily. Uh, and this could be a dismissal under a constructive dismissal. In fact, the law says that it is a constructive dismissal in that case. And you are entitled to the same severance that you would have been if they had simply terminated your employment um, you know, outright. And, and we're seeing out there that it's really starting to get ridiculous. You know, three months, six months, nine month temporary layoffs. You know, at some point it's, it's clear that you're not going to be called back. Uh, or even if there is potentially some plan to call you back, that is not something you necessarily need to accept. So give us a call. Let's, you know, at least find out your options. This is a really, really important thing to, to think about right now. Let's take a short break and we'll, uh, we'll do exactly that. Get back to more of our discussion on temporary layoffs, employment law show. On Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You want to reach John anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as I mentioned, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is uh, an amazing place to uh, get lots of information, tons of reading, tons of knowledge there, absolutely free and anonymous. Temporary layoffs is the uh, focus for the next little while here, John. Uh, is an employer allowed to lay off an employee temporarily? And what are the ramifications if you just let it go? Well, generally speaking, if an employee, if, if you as an employee have not specifically consented, and, and, and typically really that consent has to be in writing, um, to a temporary layoff, uh, which really has to be done through an employment agreement, um, then uh, no, an employer does not allow uh, to, te- to temporarily lay you off. And if you are temporarily laid off um, and you go back um, to work um, and um, then your employer decides later on they want to temporarily lay you off again, it's going to be easier for them to do that. And there's going to be an obstacle um, in your attempts to try and get a severance package at that point. Now, I've, I've had people come to me after they've been put on a temporary layoff and they've gone back to work and they were put on a temporary layoff again. And what they say to me is, well, I didn't consent to this. And that's still an argument that can be made. You know, just because yeah. you go back doesn't mean you're consenting to it as a term of your employment. But you're making, uh, but you're taking that risk that the employer is certainly going to argue that it has become an implied term of your employment now that temporary layoffs can happen. So if you want to do something about it, the first time you're laid off is the time to do something, is the time to speak out. Even if you're not going to seek a severance package, you may want to at least just make it very clear with the help of an employment lawyer that you're not okay with this happening in the future. You know, every time we talk about the layoffs and, uh, you know, the, the things that uh, the government keeps extending in that regard as a result of COVID-19, I always get the math screwed up. But there's, with, the, with the latest round of... Uh, of uh, layoff rules now of course we're talking about uh, you know not your common law uh, rights of course you're talking about under the esa it's potential you have the potential if you do nothing sit back in your laurels to be off to like 2023 right yeah well well don't feel bad john you're you're not uh, messing up the math the math is changing <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> the math is changing every few months uh the government is cha- is moving uh the yard post 
So, you know, we started, um, you know, originally, it's, it's hard to even remember now, uh, you know, it was, it was initially just going to be a few months and then it was extended uh, to September, I believe, and then we ended up in January and now we've ended up in July. So it's just moving and moving and moving. And, um, you know, this is, this is a pandemic and, uh, you know, our, our, our government is still kind of uh, groping its way through this and, and figuring this out and, uh, you know, trying to... Uh, uh, give employers uh, greater flexibility and employers do have greater flexibility by way of uh, uh, mutual agreement with an employee right so you now have the ability and the employer has the ability to mutually agree that okay you're going to be on a temporary layoff uh, you're going to go on EI um, and you know whenever this this blows over whether it's July or you know who knows they may even need to extend it again uh, then you'll come back to work and if you and your employer are okay with that that's a legal agreement you can do that um, but uh, you know you you as an employee uh, shouldn't really be focused so much on uh, what the regulation says right now because number one that could very well change it's already changed about three times exactly. uh, and secondly all that matters is your relationship with your employer. Have you said this is okay? Have you agreed to this? If not, then it really doesn't matter uh, what the government has said because the government has not uh, made any changes to your full severance entitlements. Jeff, thanks for uh, standing by for a few uh, few minutes there. How are you on a Saturday morning? Not too bad. Um, my question is, I'm in, I'm in construction, and uh, roughly every Christmas you get – it's. We'll go with what you just said the last customer. It's a mutual agreement. You're all you're laid off for a couple of weeks until um, stuff starts back up. But steady, you're all, I'm always back. So my question is, if you put 15 years into, let's say, or 10 or 15 years into a company, and the, the bad thing with construction is when you get laid off, for some reason, if, if they don't call you back or you sit there waiting and waiting and waiting and move on, I get it. We have a union, and, and I've always heard on your show every time the word union comes up, it's kind of like you don't. I feel that you can't do anything to help. So I'm trying to wonder, are we not entitled to severance if we put our time into one company for that long? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's all going to depend. The reason why we, we sort of have this uh, recurring theme when, when we get calls from unionized employees is that everything's going to come down to the collective bargaining agreement. Um, and the issue, Jeff, with, um, you know, in terms of us as, an empl as employment lawyers is that we actually don't have uh, the right to represent you when you're a union because uh, by virtue of you being unionized, your union is your advocate. So hopefully there is something in the collective bargaining agreement uh, that puts some limits on how long layoffs can be and uh, you know what needs to happen in the event um, of, of a layoff. And you may actually have greater rights than a non-unionized employee in the sense that uh, they may have an obligation to call people back in terms of seniority and you, you, you know, you may have certain other benefits. So it's really going to come back to that collective agreement. And without having that collective agreement in front of me, um, I can't really say what your rights are. So I would strongly recommend reaching out to your local union representative and find out what your rights are under that collective agreement. Um, and hopefully your union is going to uh, step up and, and fight for you here. Okay, thank you. 
You're welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate the call. You need any uh, further information? Here's how you can reach out as we uh, get into a quick break. Here it is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That will put you in touch with John, a member of his crew, and the email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Short break. Coming right back, we will continue our discussion on temporary layoffs. This is the Employment Law Show, and it's Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Feel free. So got lots of time. So we'll, uh, we'll keep it going here. John Pickus is your guy. All part of Sam Firu to Mark and LLP, our uh, lawyer on air today. Of course, most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You can you can check that out on your own to tell you I'm not telling any lies. Uh, temporary layoffs is where we're going right back to, John. Uh, what can an employee do if they've been temporarily laid off? Don't panic, first of all, but what can they do? Yes, well, if you're a non-unionized uh, employee, yep. and, and I, I say that just because uh, we had an individual call who uh, is part of a union, which... Uh, can be uh, a little bit unfortunate at, at this point in time. But if you are a non-unionized employee, then you can decide, well, I'm going to accept it. I'm okay. I want to stick around with this company, even if it means I'm going to be out of work for you know, a year, a year and a half. Um, I want to stick around. That's fine. You can accept it. But if you're not interested in doing that, you'll want to move on. You can decide, you know what? I want to treat it as a termination. And if you want to treat it as a termination, then the very first thing you should be doing is speaking with an employment lawyer. And the first thing an employment lawyer is going to do is walk you through the process and let you know what it will look like getting a severance package. And your entitlements are going to be the same as if uh, the company had simply terminated your employment. So what if I sit back and say, you know what, I kind of like working for this employer, but at the same time, you know, I'm making no money because I've been laid up. What are the pitfalls if I say, you know, this time, this time I'll be the good company soldier and live through it if I get, if I come out the other end with a job. But what are the pitfalls if I do that and go back to work in the future? Right. Well, I mean, if you if you sit back um, during the layoff, you don't necessarily need to act right away, although there are certainly advantages to acting sooner rather than later. But as, as you quite rightly pointed out, John, the problem becomes when you go back to work without saying anything. And like we were, we were talking about earlier, you know, if you go back and you don't say anything and the employer wants to your employer wants to let to do this again to lay you off then you're going to be in a position where the employer is going to say, well, this is the deal now. This is, this is the deal you've signed up for. You agreed to it last time. And you'll be sitting there and saying, well, hang on a second. Um, I, I didn't agree to this. I, I, I never agreed to temporary layoffs as a term of my employment. But your employer is going to argue that, and you're now going to have an obstacle in your way, uh, which you wouldn't have had before. So you really do need to make a choice. You know, Is this something that you want uh, your employer to be able to do in the future? And if not, you either need to very strongly object to it, um, or you may decide this is the time to get a severance package so you can move on. Tim, you there? Great. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, no worries. Um, What's up? So I'm, I'm the, on the other side. I'm the employer. I have uh, 40 to 50 employees, um, and thankfully we're all able to keep working at this point, but we foresee that we could get shut down in the near future if things continue. Um, is there anything I can do? I have employees that are just straight hourly that realize that if there's no work, there's no work. I have employees that are salaried and on. 
there won't be won't be the money to pay them. So, um, you know, uh, this country is built off. Go ahead. Uh, Tim, so just 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 to get clarification, when you say shut down, do you mean a government mandated shutdown, or you just do you mean just yeah. unable to? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you right there that I, I do make a distinction uh, there. Although we haven't specifically had guidance from the courts, I, I do anticipate a distinction is going to be made between a company just saying, hey, you know what, we got to save some money, we're going to lay a couple people off, uh, to a company that has been ordered uh, to close by the government. You know, I'm thinking of a restaurant, a casino, uh, perhaps a retail store. Um, I would say, look, there's there's no such thing as no risk, but certainly employers that I've spoken to who find themselves in that position, I say, well, you know, I wouldn't be quite as anxious because I think that those employers will be able to say this was not our decision, right? It's not really a temporary layoff if you've been mandated by the government to, to, to close. That has That's the government's decision. So I, I actually put people in that circumstance, if it really is a, the government, uh, you know, saying, the following businesses cannot operate, right? And there's no way to have your employees working remotely uh, or there's no way to run your business uh, remotely, uh, then I would say that it's not, it doesn't really fall into the same category of what we've been talking about uh, because you haven't taken an action. It's the government that's taken that action. Okay, because I know other, I'm in the construction field, but we go into people's houses. And I know right. other couples similar to myself that have said, hey, we're being told not to work, so they're, they're saying don't work. Um, we do a few things that are considered, you know, safety or maintenance or need to be done. So we've been able to keep going, and we we thankfully have lots of work in front of us. But um, we have homeowners that are saying, hey, don't come into our home. So even if we don't get shut down, if enough homeowners say don't come into our home, we're in the same boat. Right, and 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 you may very well have. Um, you know, no choice but to put these em employees uh, on a layoff um, as a result of that. Um, and I, I think that, you know, one, you, can, you can handle this one of two ways. You can either, you know, have a frank discussion with all your employees and say, look, um, this is the reality. Um, I'm going to have to put you on a temporary layoff and, and, and hope for the best. Or you can actually ask those employees to give you an agreement uh, in writing to say, look, I don't want any of you to lose your jobs. Um, so what we're going to do is, you know, we're, I'm going to ask you to agree uh, to this uh, temporary layoff. And you can have them sign something um, to say that, you know, they agree that, that they're um, accepting these temporary layoffs. As I said, there's nothing illegal about coming to an agreement with your employees um, that they're going to be on a temporary layoff um, in accordance with the Employment Standards Act. Now, that, that might not be uh, the, the right move for you. You may decide that you're only going to do that for certain employees. I know you've, you've got 40 to 50 employees, so you, know, you may have a different um, approach uh, depending on what category of employee uh, that we're dealing with. Uh, but this is a discussion that I would recommend that uh, we may want to have off air um, and you may want to just call us, um, you know, at some point before you foresee this, this happening or, or if you want to call us and make a contingency plan. There is a way to approach this, to do this cooperatively in a transparent way with your employees uh, that's going to uh, minimize your liability. So I'd recommend we have a chat about that. Okay, I think that's great. I think that's something that you as a, as a public forum need to do a lot more of because you're... I understand you make a lot of money. Your company makes a lot of money from the other side, from the employer. I'm going to use the term screwing the employee, sorry, the employee screwing the employer. 
And it makes me sick when I hear all of that because this country is built on small businesses. And fortunately, I have contracts because I've been listening to shows like yours for a long time. But at the same time, it's like you're screwing the little guy. And, and he's the one who's giving the employees work. And, and they're going out of business for, for no fault of their own. And yet it's like you just, you're just putting the dagger in. And I hear it all the time. And it, it makes me sick. So I'll leave you with well, that. Well, look, you know? this is... This is certainly, uh, you know, getting into to, to territory that's, you know, outside of, you know, what what is an employee's rights and what's an employer's rights, and you know, what the law recognizes is got to be, um, you know, it's got to be a balance, right? And you know, one thing that employers have uh, the right to do is to say, look, uh, at the beginning of employment, this is how it's going to run, um, and uh, I, I think what the law recognizes here is that um, an employee is going to be put in a position. Um, just like an employer where, um, you know, their livelihood is, is, is going to be gone. And, and because of that, the law says, well, you've got to give them some chance to find a new job. Now, if it is the case that the employer has been put in a situation where it's impossible uh, to run their business, then the law is not going to punish them, right? The law is not going to punish them. If, if, you, if the business has been shut down by the government um, and has been unable uh, to operate as a result, you know, and if and if that's uh, the the situation you're facing, then you know the the law is is not seeking out. And certainly, we as employment lawyers are not seeking out um, to uh, to destroy a business. The, the the objective of employment law is not uh, to destroy a small business, and I, I really hope that no one has got that in, that impression. Uh, the objective of employment law is to try to right the balance that we know is an imbalance that exists between employers and employees, right? And what I am seeing out there right now is a lot of employers, big, large, uh, you know, large employers, medium-sized employers, and smaller employers who are simply using this as an opportunity uh, to cut back on their costs. And that is very, very different, right? So, you know, John, the situation, I, I, you know, that we're hearing from Tim, very, you know, I, I can very much empathize with that. He's mm -hmm. put in a position uh, where he may not be able to run his business at all. Um, yeah. And, you know, when I have discussions with employees who've been temporarily laid off, you know, this is why we go into detail about it, because not everyone is going to have the exact same situation. Is it a real temporary layoff or has the business just been completely shut down? But I'll tell you, John, that by and large, the employees that have reached out to me um, has not been the employees uh, who work for the, uh, you know, mom and pop shops with five employees. They've not been the people who work for restaurants who've been shut down. They're people who work for large corporations or medium-sized corporations that are simply cutting back on costs and that is a very very different reality so uh, i certainly don't want employers to think that we're painting them all uh, with a broad brush uh, we advise employers and employees uh, all the time and every situation is going to be different so if you're an employer and you're having a hard time uh, you know give us a call and because we're, we're here to help you too absolutely we'll take a short break Employment law show global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I want to get to one final question when it comes to the uh, topic of temporary layoffs. Is there a difference in the uh, amount of severance that someone is uh, owed or entitled to? If they're temporarily laid off and they decide to go forth with uh, pulling the plug, 
No, John, there's, there's no difference. If someone has been constructively terminated as a result of a temporary layoff, we look at the same things. You know, we look at their age, their position, their years of service, um, you know, what's the level of income they earn. The question is how long should it be expected for that person to find another job? So if you're in a position where you've been temporarily laid off, uh, where we're talking about a constructive dismissal, uh, then severance pay calculator is still the place that you, you would go to get a sense of what your entitlements could be. It's a good point. Uh, PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca within that website, all kinds of employment law and wrapped up in there as well is the uh, aforementioned severance pay calculator that John just uh, made mention of. You have to do something about it if. These things are uh, the times you want to make sure you're aware to pick up a phone and call John or a member of the team or another employment lawyer for that matter and just get squared away with the knowledge because it could affect you uh, in the future or in the here and now when it comes to your uh, your job and your employment first one is your employer's building a case against you the old spidey senses are going off right yeah exactly if the spotty sense is going off you know sometimes it may be a performance uh, improvement plan uh, sometimes it may be a, a letter of, of warning um, if you don't agree what's in those warning letters or what's in that uh, performance improvement plan you've got to state your disagreement you've got to make it clear that you don't agree that uh, what they're saying is reasonable uh, maybe there's something that's affected your performance maybe there's a medical condition or maybe there's a new system uh, that you're being tra uh, trained on uh, and, and something's being put in writing. Uh, but if they've put you on notice, make sure you put them on notice, you know, and uh, all, all that you really need to do is make sure that you speak with an employment lawyer before you respond. Um, or, you know, even if you're, if you're not going to respond to an employment lawyer, if it's still very early on, maybe it's the first warning or notice you, you get, just be very clear, be very explicit, be respectful, be civil, um, and you will be doing yourself a favor. You have to do something about it if you are offered, uh-oh, the new employment agreement. Don't like those. Yes, of course. We're seeing a lot of those this year. Uh, and if you are being given a new employment agreement, chances are it's because either A, your employer never gave you an employment agreement, or B, your employer is realizing that the last employment agreement they gave you uh, contains an illegal termination clause, which they can't enforce. So the devil here is in the details. Don't be lulled by the fact that there's probably going to be uh, some kind of monetary offer for you. If you've given, been given a contract, maybe decide to sign it anyway. Maybe you're okay with it and that's fine, but you should at least know what you're getting into. So speak to an employment lawyer before you do that. Yeah, I mean, if you've uh, if you've never had an employment uh, agreement before and they decide to throw one at you mid-employment, there's there's got to be a reason why and it's not for your benefit, is it? No, because you got to ask yourself, did I ask for this? You know, did I draft this? <laughs> Even if you asked for it, if you didn't draft it, I mean, what, what ben what, what's the motivation here, right? Are they really just, you know, quote, updating their HR files? You know, we always hear that a lot, John. Oh, we're just updating our HR files, just updating our files. Well, no, that's not what's going on. What they're doing is they're updating their contracts. They're updating their legal language. They're updating their flexibility, uh, which is going to be your restrictions and could be restrictions on your rights to termination pay, to your ability to compete uh, after you've been let go. And these are things that you want to speak to an employment lawyer about before you sign off on them. You have to do something about it if you experience harassment at work. This is, uh, this is one of the big ones. Yeah, it's one of the big ones, and, and I think it's going to take a different shape and form in, in uh, the age of telecommuting, which, which may actually outlast the pandemic. Uh, but people can still experience harassment. You can experience harassment uh, you know, over the phone, over email. 
Um, and uh, if that's something that's happening to you, it can have a severe impact on your ability to work or, or, or ability to, to be healthy. Um, so take notes of what happens. Talk, talk about dates, times, details, what was said, who said it, who was there. Um, and write emails when these things happen. Emails are time stamped. Uh, it'll prove that you've put a human resources on notice if you let them know that this is happening. Uh, follow up on the complaints if nothing has happened. Uh, if you can think of a solution, for example, maybe there's somewhere you can transfer. Uh, maybe there's someone else you can work with. Uh, suggest that solution. And as a last resort, if you're not getting anywhere, uh, speak with an employment lawyer. Uh, but certainly do not leave your employment before doing that because uh, it's maybe not, this may be a situation where you don't have to resign. It may be a situation where you have other options, even perhaps in, in, in some cases, a severance package. So we should talk about that. You know, you have to do something about it as well. Call John if uh, your employer won't accommodate you. This is getting a little more common as well, right? This is getting very, very common. Yeah, and, and, and very tricky for both employers and employees right now. Let's, let's just be clear. There is a difference uh, because a lot of people, a lot of employees are calling um, and have asked, well, you know, what if I don't want to go into work just because I'm too anxious? You know, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable going out um, in, in COVID. And, and there's no medical reason other than the fact that you have anxiety. Well, that is not something that your employer actually has to accommodate, right? They don't have to accommodate a generalized anxiety about um, COVID. Uh, and even if you do get a daughter's note in that, in that case, probably all, all that you're going to have the right to do is to go on a leave of absence um, <clears throat> and stay home un until things subside. But in other cases, if, for example, um, you are unable to go to work for medical reasons, but it is possible uh, for you to work from home and there's no reason that can't be done, uh, then, um, then that's something that your employer probably should be accommodating. Uh, if you're, you know, working in manual labor and you need, you know, some restrictions on uh, your ability to lift items or things like that, that's something that your employer has to accommodate. The first place you go in this case uh, is actually not an employment lawyer. It's your doctor, right? You talk to your doctor. You find out what it is that I can do, what it is that I can't do. Get a detailed note from them. Uh, and if your employer is not playing ball, uh, then that's the time to call. Well, um, with the schools closing, uh, my son and daughter are essential workers. And I'm wondering if I wanted to take the caregiving benefit to look after my granddaughter if my job is protected. Right. Well, so this is this is relating to a school closure. Yes. Well, what what the Employment Standards Act says is that if you are unable to work due to a school closure uh, relating to COVID-19, uh, that actually gives rise to what's called infectious uh, disease emergency leave. Uh, so in that case, I would uh, write uh, the company, uh, write your employer uh, and state exactly the reason why you need to be off. Uh, and invoke infectious disease, you know, you can even write infectious disease emergency leave um, and uh, just keep them updated as to the situation. Um, and during that time, you should have a right to take a leave of absence uh, and, and a job protected uh, leave of absence at that. Even though it's my granddaughter and not my child? Uh, if it's your granddaughter who's, okay, so, it's, so you're caring for your granddaughter be, because of the school closure. Um, Correct. Yes, so that um, that very well st could still come um, uh, within the uh, emergency leave uh, protection. There are um, a number of um, it's it's a fairly broad 
um, category. Um, so if you're, it, it doesn't just co uh, cover people who are necessarily um, dealing with a school closure themselves, but it, it calls for people to be protected if you're providing care or support um, to someone um, who is affected by one of these things. So I would say if you're providing care or support uh, to someone who's been impacted by um, something related to COVID-19, so that could include a school or day closure, still very likely you're, you're going to fall under infectious disease leave. So I would put that to your employer and, and say that uh, you're taking infectious disease emergency leave, explain it, explain that you're providing care and support, and if you still have an issue, then uh, give us a call. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate your call. We are just about to wrap it up for the day. Uh, Dave, I see you standing there. We didn't get to you, but feel free to call through. Here's how you uh, get a hold of John now, and please do so. one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you shorten that to simply employmentlawyer.ca, the website, you catch links to our TV show as well, and always your pal on the side anytime, right in your pocket, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. John Pincus, thank you, pal. We'll, uh, we'll pick it up next time. It's been the Employment Law Show. It's right here on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.